You're listening to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guests are two incredibly talented musicians that I'm lucky enough to call my friends. The music they make ranges from abrasive punk to soothing synth pop, and what I love about them is how their creativity is always limitless. Along with crafting unique sounds, they also do a brilliant job at writing, producing, and performing live. It brings me so much joy to welcome Hannah and JJ of Overcoats onto the podcast. A few months ago, they released their second album titled The Fight. It's an album that reminds us of the power that comes with taking ownership of our emotions. When I listened to the album for the first time, I was also reminded about how taking ownership of our faults is never an easy thing to do, especially in the world we're living in today. Hannah and JJ bring out the best in each other. Their friendship is the focal point of their creativity. Throughout our chat, we go into the making of the fight and delve into what it means to be honest with not just yourself, but also your best friend. I have so much respect for these two, and it's a true privilege getting to share this talk with you. This is the new exchange of Overcoats. Enjoy. So something I've garnered from doing these talks is that it's really impossible to ignore the big elephant in the room of this whole COVID pandemic we're going through. So um, I guess the best way to start this is to just ask, how are you doing? Like, how have you two been? It's been a whirlwind. Um, As you know, our album came out um, like basically a week before New York City shut down. And we actually had a release party where we were all sort of joking about the pandemic because it didn't feel real yet. And we were like, oh, we shouldn't gather. And then it was literally our last social gathering. Like it was crazy. Um, So it's been wild trying to, you know, celebrate the album coming out and and doing a campaign and everything. it's been very weird to do that and shut down. And obviously this is a very um, crazy time for America. So it's been, um, it's been very weird to watch it from, um, from our vantage point, but we've been holding up. Yeah. And it's kind of wild. Cause I was thinking that when I was uh, prepping to do this interview with you, how the album, the fight, it did come out like interestingly so close to, everything that's been happening. Do you remember what that release day was like? I mean, cause it's interesting. COVID was a thing. It was a thing as much as, as early as like late February, I remember, but it was still just like murmurings. It wasn't really like at the forefront of all of our minds when you think about it. Yeah. I think it was, it was definitely weird because a lot of the songs on our record are quite like apocalyptic in nature and in in their lyricism and so part of it was like shockingly poignant to sort of have the world kind of fall apart around us as we were releasing these songs that had lyrics about you know the world as I know it is coming to an end um 
there's a fire, there's a fury, sky is falling, but we'll get through it. Like all of these lyrics just felt so relevant and obviously we couldn't have predicted (laughs) just how relevant they would be and and we couldn't have predicted what sort of kind of like global a global pandemic like this happening but um I think that there was at least musically kind of this moment where we were like wow this album is like weirdly apt right now um there were also you know disappointing facts like canceling our our headline tour um and not being able to play any of the music live for people um but in the scheme of things and um relative to kind of the catastrophe that America is facing it's a small problem um yeah and we we may have talked about this when we talked with you last Ken but our album is kind of about apocalypse because we've sort of felt like things have been heading towards apocalypse for a while. Um, you know, there's been obviously the pandemic news of that since I guess November, I forget when things really, um, we got news of it, but, um, you know, from, from that to the me too movement to some of the, um, racial injustices that have been happening over the past couple of years in particular, um, to so many other things. Um, we were kind of feeling this sense of, of dread and apocalypse. And it, it feels not even that surprising that we're now in a pandemic. Like it's almost fitting for how the rest of the country feels like it's functioning. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, honestly, like, you mentioning that it kind of sits at the crux of why I really wanted to talk to you for this, apart from just, you know, generally wanting to catch up is that I feel like what's been so incredible about having this album in my life for the last couple months is that it's kind of acted as a companion through all these weird times where intrinsically within the music that it feels very hopeful in the sense that I feel like all the songs have a reminder that human connection, human companionship can get us through these dark times. And What's been really beautiful for me is being a friend and a fan is like seeing how people write to you guys on Instagram and Twitter and like how they interact with you. And it seems that people feel that way. Is that something you've noticed that people have kind of been reacting in a way of like really taking this in within their lives, like the album as a whole? I definitely hope so. The album, I mean, we wrote the album at a time when we were going through sort of uncharted territory at least in our in our own personal adult lives we lost uh, we talked about this I think before but um we lost friends to gun violence um other friends were dealing with addiction depression anxiety just it, it felt like the whole world was coming down on us and so we wrote the album together as a way of providing hope for ourselves and for each other and so I think that it's really nice to hear that it has been a companion to you during these this like roller coaster of a year and I hope that I really hope that it has been for other people as well. Um, that's kind of all you can dream of for an album is that it is that it 
gets people through things and and can heal and provide hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think with us too, like um, having really personal connections to the people that are listening to our music has always been really important to us. And that's why I think um, not being able to immediately tour this record has been really difficult because the moment that you are out there playing a show and people come up to you at the merch table and explain like their story and how a song helped them. That's one of the like precious, most precious parts of music making for us. So it's been sad that we haven't been able to do that in person. Yeah. But there's, there's definitely been a, um, a really special response from, from some over the internet and we've tried to, yeah. um, kind of utilize that in some of the stuff we've been releasing, like um, this reprise version of the fight. We tried to use fan videos and we did one recently for fire and fury where we used um, friends and fans dancing. So we're trying to just find ways to connect to the community of, of our listeners, however we can, but it's tough not to be able to do it in a live setting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uncharted waters, and I'm going to like talk to you guys a bit about that more. But before I do, I feel like what's been really key with Overcodes, like what makes the project so unique, is that it's truly a mix of not only your voices, but also your creative ideas. I think when I think about acts that I follow and acts that I like, I can't think of an act that does a better job at really showcasing that a band could be a true democracy. Like It never feels like... I'm only getting one side of the story. I feel like I'm getting both of your perspectives together in almost equal measure. And I guess I would just love for you to describe to the world what it's like when you two are working on a song together. It obviously varies, but does it come from feeling that within your friendship, there's just innate safe space to just be open about everything? I think definitely. And that's, that's really... I think you've hit the nail on the head and that's kind of how we started as a band. Um, we were friends for four years before ever sitting down and trying to write a song together. So it, it definitely, it came from friendship rather than the other way around. Um, and, and so I think that, that that's always important to us. Um, and I think that a lot of what we write whether, you know, one of us is starting a set of lyrics or a melody and sending it to the other one or showing the other one, it, it always comes, the collaboration is always a result of having empathy for what the other is going through. And so um, I'm trying to give an example. Hannah, do you have one where like I brought an experience to you or vice versa from this record? Um, maybe leave if you wanna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Um, yeah, because we both, you know, we both we don't date each other, so we date other people, and we have <laughs> we have. I feel like not everybody knows that. <laughs> we just dropped a huge bomb there that we're Honestly, not a couple. Yeah, you should probably take that out because we gotta keep them guessing. <laughs> 
But yeah, we like the ambiguity. <laughs> and we're always like, oh, this is a fight that I had with my partner. And then the other's like, oh, I had a similar fight with my partner. <laughs> and then we, we find ways to really like combine our experiences um, into one thing. But that's yeah. often how the lyrics go. And and sonically, it's it's the same way. Like recently, for example, in quarantine, because we were separated for a lot of it, we've been able to see each other more in New York now. But um it would be a lot of like JJ or me sending like a beat and then JJ would send me back like a vocal over that beat. And then I would send her back her vocal and a harmony over that beat with a new guitar part. And then she would add a bass part. And it definitely it's like uh, that. Um, what's that like party game where you draw the head and then you fold the paper over and the next yeah. person draws like oh, the shoulders. Crap. Someone's oh, going nuts oh, right now. Exquisite corpse. Is it? Basically. Yeah. Isn't it called exquisite corpse? That's it a really must. weird name. That's hyper specific. So it must be. That has to be right. Yeah. I, I <laughs> hope that I didn't just make that name up because that'd be really awkward for all yeah. of us. Ken, you have, you have a fact checker, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. We uh, have can we get the fact, fact checker on this? <laughs> um. But it's definitely felt like that in the past couple months trying to write together because we just like you add a layer or two and then you send the whole file back to the other person and then you know they add their two cents and another like verse or a chorus and suddenly like you have this multifaceted sort of like more complex and kind of um like body of work with like some tension in it and that's like the core of what we love about songwriting together is that like there are two of us it's not just a singular like idea but then when we sing it together we sound like one voice telling this story uh, so hopefully that we achieved that on this on this last record as well no you totally do and you know going off that because I think that's so poignant to me that when I listen to your music I think I find myself thinking like wow the songwriting works but naturally for it to work there there's also like this essence of balance like things can't work all the time so it makes me wonder like how do you guys know a song isn't working or is that kind of is that um, ever an awkward situation when you don't know <laughs> no I think I think we usually both know I'm definitely like there we made more songs than ended up on the record for the record. Um, and we usually can tell that a song is not working if it doesn't feel fully collaborative, like we were saying, um, or similarly, if it doesn't feel fully, um, kind of like a mixture of genres, if it feels too far in one genre, like too much of a, straight up acoustic country song or too much of a straight up dance track we need we like when the songs are kind of collaborating amongst different types of music um within them as well yeah um and when i think also the the lyrics are super important to us like if a song doesn't feel um like it's as honest as it can be or even if it's not kind of saying the right thing um, then, then we'll nix it. This album obviously is about, um, you know, the fight and persevering and human connection being, um, 
you know, a healing element of going through trauma and difficulty. And so songs that we had that weren't totally making sense with that message shouldn't end up on the album. Yeah. I would also say there's something like a lot less scientific that we go through. Um, like, obviously, we we are always like analyzing. We're like, does this sound like it's too much in one lane? Um like are these lyrics right but then there's also just like a kind of spiritual aspect to it where we're like if we sing it and it gives us chills it's going on the album (laughs) and it's like there's a there's an aspect of it that that that's more feelings based and sort of like bodily where um if like there's a harmony in the song that just like makes us both like smile or like fall backwards (laughs) then it's right um and so sometimes it's just a matter of of feelings um and of like knowing because of the way that it connects the two of us that it's right i love hearing that and that that always comes across to me when i listen to the music um tell me something because you guys mentioned something interesting a couple minutes ago and i remember you told me about this the first time we met how when you guys when both of you met and uh, your friendship blossomed, it wasn't so immediate to create a musical project. When you think about that, do you think that Hannah and JJ that met each other, like within that first year of friendship, do you think they would be baffled to see where you are right now? Like, can you even imagine what they would think? That's an interesting question. Um, Yes and no. It's hard to say because I'm, I feel like we're really like spiritual about it. Like when, and obviously like the, the present changes your memory of the past. But when I think back to meeting and our friendship in like that first year, I definitely do think that there was always a feeling of like possibility with us. Um, And I think that was, partially just the nature of who we are as people. We're both kind of adventurous. And if one one of us was like, let's go do something crazy, the other would be like, yes, let's do it. Uh, and I think, that, combo. I think that, that energy has always been a part of our friendship. Um, and so when we were like, let's make a band, it didn't feel that crazy. And so um, I can see how it ended up there. But I also think that, um, though we were both um, super interested in music and loved listening to it and playing it and and share, we shared a lot of music in our friendship, like showing each other bands that we liked and stuff. Um, neither of us knew at all that we were going to be going into the music industry. Um, and so in that way, and I definitely have these thoughts when we're like on a business call or like doing things that are super like businessy about it where I'm just like, how the hell did we get here? Um, And like, how do we have all this like knowledge about the music industry and how it works? Like I just, it's crazy. Like hearing JJ talk about like Spotify data. I'm just like, what are we doing? But then it also feels natural. Yeah. (laughs) JJ, anything to add? Uh, I just think that, I the the only reason that I could probably have maybe guessed um in our first year of knowing each other that like something might come of of our musical connection was just like that 
when we when we sang together and and we only ever sang covers together for the first four years of our friendship because we hadn't written anything yet um together but there was there was already this just like moment of magic when our voices sang in harmony together where I was like this I don't have with anyone else and so maybe in that in those like small milliseconds of like singing a song in perfect harmony together like I could have probably been like okay this could this is something that other people might want to hear um not just whoever's peeing in the bathroom of the dorm while we're singing (laughs) in the like (laughs) sink area um but 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 no definitely like I'm just like gobsmacked half the time when I'm like how like people are like what do you do and I'm like well I'm like a musician and they're like oh <laughs> and I'm like yeah oh is right like I <laughs> I'm just as surprised every time um but I think that it did require having sort of four years to explore who we are as individuals and who we are together and both of us studied non-music subjects in college and I think that having sort of like a a well-rounded base of knowledge and 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 having kind of like really full and different college experiences has was definitely crucial and I yeah I wouldn't change any of it yeah because I imagine when you think about it where where music wasn't the primary focus within those days it kind of helped it allowed for there to be space to guide yourselves into that and yeah, I love that because it's a, it it shows. I I think also to add what's really important. Everything you described is that I think your friendship has shown both of you like not only what you might want to be, but how there's endless possibilities of where you could go and what you might want to be and who you might want to be. And I think that's what this album essentially kind of is all about as well. It shows that there's endless roads to go down, and that it doesn't have to just be one singular road. That's so regimented yeah i think that's a really beautiful way of describing it and i think that's something that's always been empowering for both of us this like ability and the possibility of reinvention um both of us are like used to doing a lot of travel when we were growing up and having to be really adaptable and i think that's become um a comfort for both of us. The idea that, you know, if something is not working for you or you want to be somebody different, you can be. Um, and I think that's been a huge part of our music making as well. Like that, um, from album to album, if we want to be, if we want to make a completely different album than the last one, we, we want to do that. We have no qualms about doing that. Um, and this supporting each other in, in that reinvention is definitely a big part of it. Yeah. So I want to explore something with you. When I consider the fight and all the themes that we talked about earlier of that cultivate within the album, I wonder between you two, when you were working on the album and discussing the lyrics and working on the songs, do you feel like the themes made sense to you in real time? Meaning, do you feel like it was clear to you what certain songs were about? Or do you feel like it took the exploration of even recording the songs to make sense of the different feelings that you had. Because it's interesting to me how 
there were other songs that existed when the finished product sounds so concise. It doesn't feel like there's any fat to trim, which is something I love as a music fan. Um, no, that's a really good question. Um, I would say the moment where we realized the main theme of what we were writing for our kind of second project, um, that, that eureka moment happened about halfway through the writing process. So there were already songs that we had written that kind of exemplified some of the messages we ended up wanting to share. And then there were also some songs that weren't about that and so th and thus didn't make the cut. Um, but there was a there was a moment where um, we wrote the chorus for the title track, the fight. Um, and obviously this was pre-knowing that it was the title track of our second record. Um, but those lyrics and those, and, and like that melody, um, this is the fight, I know you're tired, night after night, the great divide, just like captured the sort of exhaustion of life as like, musicians on the road as women under Trump's America um the like political divides the the nightly divides between like artist and audience um and then also like s singing that to like a friend who's going through hell is was also like the most um I don't know, like it, it felt that it felt like it was the thesis of what we were trying to say overall with everything we had been working on. And so from there, um, the key word was fight. Um, and we found that in a lot of the songs that we had already written, um, that word was in some of the lyrics, like kind of unbeknownst to us. Um, and so I think Hannah, correct me if I'm wrong. We need the fact checker again. But I, I think every song on the record has the word fight in it. Or almost every song. I don't know if it's 100%. We need the fact checker. Yeah. <laughs> we need the fact checker again um, for our own work, which we can't remember. <laughs> um, I'm making a note now for the fact checker. Yeah, thank you. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so it just sort of like... It, like out of these like many sort of like rhizomatic growths of songs, it just like those those words like the fight and like struggle and battle just like grew out of what was already there. And we were like, oh, that's what that's what ties this all together. And so then the songs that we wrote after that were we focused on that and we focused on kind of the the many definitions of the word fight and and what and what that can include. And so um, it was both, it, it happened both naturally and then also in kind of the later stages was more of a conscious effort to to finish telling the story of the fight. God, so well put. Hannah, anything you want to add to that as well? Um, I think, I think JJ hit the nail on the head. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I really think that you did. Well, something I'd like to add to that and it's something I think is so beautiful 
that I think what's amazing is that you're a- you were able to take the element of transformation and have it be at the forefront. And it wasn't a thing of like marketing and it wasn't a thing only for images. It very much sat at the crux of what the album's about and the stories that are being told and the feelings that, you know, that people can resonate with. That leads me to wonder when you think about transformation, why do you feel personal transformation was important to make the next step musically? Because I think that's what's very clear above everything else that yes, Young was like an amazing album and it did so much, but it felt like it was clear for both of you that you had to transform proactively to take the next step. Would, would that even be fair to say? I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, and I, I don't totally know why that is. Like, as I was saying before, I think, I think it's definitely a part of our personalities individually and kind of the personality of our friendship that we'd like to just try things and be adventurous and grow. Yeah. Grow. And because we didn't go into becoming a band with like a specific idea of what it was going to sound like and who was going to be in it and all of this stuff, we kind of just, we like to allow, um, you know, experimentation and just sort of seeing where, where the music goes. I think, I think as well, um, there was definitely between the fight and young, um, an influence on, uh, by touring and like the desire for organic instruments. Um, because on young, there's not like a single drum kit. There's maybe three live instruments that happen. It's pretty much all electronic. And after playing that live, we were like, okay, we really want to, bang on guitars and have a live drum kit and do something that feels more spontaneous on stage. And so that was definitely an element of it. Um, and we started listening to, um, kind of more classic rock and the influence just sort of metal. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's very true. Like thinking about we're starting to write for like, you know, a new project and it never occurred to me that it would sound similar to the fight it's like on to the new the next thing yeah i think a great example of that is found in i'll be there which is to me it was such a perfect way to start an album because it's interesting when the fool came out as a single that song was so much of a mission statement in itself but i feel like i'll be there it does an amazing job of also being a mission statement and just kind of showing the listener right away that they can't predict where things are going to go sonically and it's such a different track. Like, can you walk me through the realization you had towards the fact that this had to be the album opener? Like, the importance of that? Definitely. Um, I think for us, the main... Um, well, for for many reasons, it felt like the right um, opener, opening number um, to kind of reintroduce ourselves as bald girls. Um, <laughs> and... Um, at least lyrically, it definitely felt like the overture to the project um, because it's like basically an ode to friendship um, and an ode to being there for each other. And so it's sort of saying like through thick and thin, through whatever journey we're about to go on together separately, like I will be there for you. Um, and sonically, it went through a number of 
changes throughout its life. Um, it started as kind of like a Billy Joel, like piano ballad. Um, and it was just like piano and vocals. Then we made like a huge, then we made a huge, um, like cold play kind of like arcade fire, like arena rock version of it. That was like, I loved that I loved, <laughs> but it, but then it also, that also felt like a little bit disingenuous to like the kind of more intimate moments of the song. And so finally it, it found its home somewhere between like these sort of like layered, layered harmony vocals at the beginning, um, reminding us that it's just us at the end of the day it's just me and Hannah it's just our vocals that's like the core of what we do and then some intense electronic moments in the song um kind of maybe a nod to young and where we come from which was like a much more electronic palette and then also walls of guitar and um the introduction of some live drums and like where we're going um, and where the fight would take would take us, and so we we settled on it as kind of like an overture because it sort of touches on on many of the like sonic aspects of the record and what we come from and who we want to be, and then it's also lyrically kind of like a promise um, to the listener. A few minutes ago, when you brought up rap rock, were you joking? By the way. <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> no, well, I, the reason I bring that up is because a couple of days back I was um, listening to Linkin Park's uh, remix album of their first album. And something that I realized in the midst of listening to it is that with all the different sonics they utilize within their music, there's a strong adherence to melody over everything. And when I think about what's made, what made them so successful as a band throughout their career, I think it was that, that kind of understanding a melody so i think about a song i'll be there and it's literally like the kitchen sink being thrown twenty thousand times in three minutes but i feel like at its core there's this melody that's carrying you through yeah, that's quite a long way to say that i guess i hear the rap rock influence if there is such one and i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> oh I think it's no, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of validity to that. And also just like I do think that we our first record while we were making our first record, we were so inspired by kind of a very like narrow. I think I think a narrow I don't know, like like I when I think about the artists that we were listening to when we made the first record, there wasn't. A lot of variation like we we loved Sylvanesso <laughs> we loved Jamie XX like so electronic um and for this album we we were like let's make a Coldplay record like let's listen to Arcade Fire and then let's listen to the Violent Femmes let's listen to Radiohead let's listen to just like totally a lot of classics but like a very broad sonic palette Beatles after India like just just like a lot of things made made its made their way into the record rap metal <laughs> um like and and I think that there's something to be said for like kind of the the more variegated um inspiration 
Yeah, that definitely comes through to me. And I feel like what that speaks to as well is that, what is it that people say? It's like the coolest people in the room are the ones that aren't even thinking about being cool. So I think that kind of speaks to that with you two. Or there's, it, the music feels cool. I, it's hard for me to always uh, like pinpoint what I mean when I say that about certain music, but there's certain music that evoke a feeling of coolness to it. And I think it's like, a lot of it stems from this attitude of just not giving a fuck. And I think that's what this music has, where so many fucks are given inwardly that it's almost impossible to give more fucks outwardly, at least in in <laughs> response to the inwardness, if that makes any sense. Like, it's like yeah. you guys could, I can't ever imagine you caring about what someone had to say about your feelings because you're so, you know what your feelings mean to you, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm. I think that 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 definitely made its way onto the record in a big way, um, both visually and sonically. Um, lyrically, we've always <laughs> we've always like <laughs> written stuff that's super embarrassing to share. Um, that's like our vibe, <laughs> um, and finding like strength in sharing those vulnerable feelings. And I think on this album we just went a step further and added shaving each other's heads to the mix um and so we were like we not only don't give a fuck what you think of our lyrics and our feelings but we also don't give a fuck about what you think of our appearance um and i think we we definitely wanted a sort of like unapologetic battle cry of an album um and so that meant sort of like tailoring our our image, like our androgynous look and um, the slamming on guitars and other sonic choices um, with these kind of like yelling lyrics about not caring what other people think and, and kind of like having a cathartic release um, in all ways possible. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, like you saying that, it reminds me that and I don't think I shared this with you last time we talked, but I remember when um, the video for The Fool came out, I remember there were um, some friends of mine that I showed the video to, like when we were hanging out, and um, uh, female friends of mine. And I bring that up because it was really interesting how regardless of their taste in music, they all had this similar reaction, like three friends particularly I'm thinking about where they like clapped and were like, yeah, like, fuck yeah. Like they felt like a like a, a sense of almost pride in watching you shave your heads that way. And I wonder if you've had that experience from friends or people in your lives when they saw that. Like, Because I think maybe that speaks to seeing someone do that just shows that there's like an ownership aspect. It's like, I'm owning how I look and I don't care what you think. I, that's the feeling I got from it. I think that's lovely. I think because our... Our, like, close friends and family, like, knew about the lead-up to what we were doing. The reactions to seeing the video were mostly, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> um, rather than, like, anything super supportive. Um, at at no, no fault of theirs, like, I would probably do the same thing. Um, but I think that it's great that as... Um, someone was a little distance from it that's the reaction you had i definitely got that from maybe like a couple people but most people were just like oh my god oh my god <laughs> yeah i i think it's um 
I think having the reaction, like our friends and family having the reaction that they did have was actually more important um, because like the idea of shaving your head is is precisely what you said, Ken, which is like to take ownership of your body, um, which is even more important as women living in this society and kind of like the war on women's bodies that Trump has waged and um, and and being confident in your own decisions and the, and the way you carry yourself is always more important than the way that anybody else sees you. And so I think that like, the fact that like our our families maybe and our and our close friends were just like in shock and not like cheering <laughs> was was also crucial to like reminding us why we did it in the first place um and also like bound us me and Hannah um together for the project in a way that like felt important because nobody else was there Nobody else was shaving their heads with us, um, except at a party where we did shave eight people's heads. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. Um, but but I do think that there was like value in in the way that everybody reacted, no matter what it was. And obviously, like when we showed when we showed the video to like our team and like our label, and you know some of them like teared up. I was like, okay, this is like this shows me that this is the right team to like take this project on and 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 I think there was yeah as I said like value in everybody's kind of diverse reactions to it yeah Yeah. I love that I have just a couple more questions for you guys uh I want to ask about one more song before I ask about um the tour that you guys did before COVID and um the song I want to ask about is Keep the Faith and I particularly want to know how do you come together and take a song like that that feels so specific on an individual level and then break it down where you can relate it to each other and make it almost universal for anyone? Because it's interesting, like that song and Leave If You Want, I feel like they're almost cousins in a way where when I listen to them, I find myself thinking like, I don't want to be the person they're singing about. I also really think of those songs as cousins uh, and we talked a lot about that because those two both came out as singles after The Fool and they really do show kind of like the two sides of like an argument almost kind of like the um, like the bad version of fighting in Leave If You Wanna and the the kind of power and necessity of fighting and keep the faith. Um, I think as we said before, a lot of it is about um, stems from our friendship and, and how our lyric writing pretty much is like, we are talking about something and then the other one is comforting the other. We're talking about how we can relate to it. And those kind of just come into lyrics and we try to take, um, you know, our experiences, which are obviously very specific and find what is relatable or um, more universal about them. Um, And obviously, you know, every relationship is different. And um, we both went through experiences that were somewhat different, but there's also, I think, a, 
a message in there that um, when you boil it down um, is is relatable and is um, can, can apply to a lot of people and bring um, a bit of hope to a lot of people in a, in a difficult situation where they do want to keep fighting. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we just try to find what, um, what within our, our experiences can be the most relatable and the most healing to people. I'm glad you asked about that song. Cause it's my favorite on the record. Oh, is it? Yeah. I think for me, it's a strong contender between that and, uh, you just stay the same. Oh, another one. Nice. Yeah, that's, that was <laughs> such an underdog. It's so much fun. It's such a fun yeah, song. Is. And it's another song that makes me think I really would never want to be the person that's being sung about here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I really feel bad for our partners, but. Oh, well. They knew what they were signing up for. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to be the subject of some songs here. I was. Um, me and JJ were talking about this uh, before we hit the re- recorder, but the last time I saw both of you, I didn't get to catch up with you because I was on the balcony watching you perform um, at Webster Hall opening up for Cold War Kids, one of the best mm. bands in the world. And <laughs> what I loved so much about that show is I could tell that you bonded with those guys. And I love seeing that because we know what it's like with touring. It's like that doesn't always happen you hope that it does but it doesn't always happen what what was it like for you to tour with them it was so amazing it's literally crazy because that was that was our last tour before everything shut down and we're always talking with maddie and sarah who were our band members for that tour where we're just like oh my god like guys that was the last hurrah like yeah incredible it was the most fun tour ever (laughs) Like they, they're, they're just like, those guys are, they just like, you can, you can choose to be one of two, like, like you can act in one of two ways as the headliner. You can either be a dick, like a power tripping dick, (laughs) Um, or you can be like a respectful, mature like fun loving headliner and they were the latter and thank god like like I just I just have so much respect for them because like they treated us with like kindness and humility and respect and we treated them the same way and we had the most fun we got to know them really well like they they loved giving Like, I learned so much from them about performing, honestly, because, like, the way that they engage with their listeners and their fans is just, like, it's so, it's so, like, natural and it's so full of surprise and, like, this desire to create experiences together in the room. Um, And, like, Hannah and I are usually so, 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 so prepared because we're so petrified all the time that, like, we don't, we didn't always let there be, like, this kind of, like, these moments of just, like, reading the room and, like, engaging with fans and, like, 
the fact that Cold War Kids like led us on stage for their final number and like knocked over drum kits and like jumped into the crowd like I was just like I this is how live music is supposed to be and like I hope we can take that energy with us to like our our listeners and the way that we perform and the way that we treat our openers and the way that we like I don't know the way that we tour um and I think that it was the perfect last hurrah before probably like at least a 18 month hiatus from touring um we'll see about the timing but I I just think it was perfect yeah I definitely would agree with that I've been really fortunate to have done photos with them many times over the years and um on the last podcast they were on and um I know Nathan and Matt like just a little bit like through passing through and what I love there's two big things I love about them as a band especially those two guys is that they are super professional about everything they do, but they don't really take themselves seriously, at least not as seriously as, like, some acts do. And when yeah. you watch them on stage, it, by the end of the show, you're surprised that there's anything left. Like, they give so much of themselves to how they perform. Definitely. Yeah, I th- I think that's so accurate. I Like, I, genuinely, Hannah and I went through withdrawal after the tour ended because it was, like, so much fun <laughs> that when it was ending, we were, like, deeply depressed and, like, didn't know what to do with ourselves um, because, like, we wanted it – we wanted it to be our full-time lives, just, like, being on the road with them, so – how did it come about to have you... Because I remember at Webster and you mentioned it too, you performed, uh, you would perform Beyond the Pale with them, which was truly beautiful, and I loved how that was. How did that come about? Um, I think we sort of talked about it, like, prior to actually getting on the road. Um, they were like, oh, you should come sing on stage with us, and we were like, what? And then <laughs> we, um, Nathan was like, we got on tour, and it was the first show, and Nathan was like, so, like, tonight? And we were like, no, like, we don't, we need to practice. Like, we don't know what to do. Like, uh, we had learned the words, of course, but we were like, no, we don't know. He was like, oh, come on. Like, just come on stage. Like, <laughs> And we were like, he, yeah, just like, they have, a, they have, like, a spontaneity and, like, a freedom. But also, they're just so brilliant at what they do. It was really cool. But, yeah, that ended up being so much fun um, to do with him. It was great. I love saying that. Um, before I let you go here, um, I just want to say, you know, thanks so much for taking part. I want to ask uh, one more thing. And, you know, something that's been really impressing me the last few weeks is how you've been using uh, your platforms to not only discuss Black Lives Matter, but to also share information about po- protests and petitions and different voices that um, have been really intriguing you. And from knowing you two for the last couple of years, I think it's been close to four or five years now, which is a while to me. Um, It didn't surprise me to see that, but it still did take me aback because it's one thing to know what people are about, but it's different to see the actions behind it. And yeah, before you you go, I I would just love to hear you share why it's been important for you to share your platform in that way because I think it's really special. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, obviously we are a band, um, and while we are politically involved and engaged, we're not, um, you know, the experts on anything. Um, But I think what 
this whole reckoning in the past couple months uh, have shown to us is that inaction is complacency. Um, and we realized, you know, yeah, we stand for justice and we stand for all of these things, but if we're not really talking about it if, or if we're being silent while these things happen in the world, then it's, it's what is, what is that support worth? Um, and it, it felt really important to us, even though we're a band and our socials are mainly used for like posting cute photos or like places New releases. to find, find our music. Um, it felt really important to use the opportunity to, you know, share resources for people that were wanting to get involved and to, to not be silent um, on issues that, well, they aren't directly related to what we do in music necessarily are, are issues that affect everyone and that are very important to, um, to who we are as people and what we care about. Yeah. I think also while we don't have kind of, we don't have a major, major platform of millions of followers, like, you know, Selena Gomez or something like that. We do have like in the thousands of followers. And so we felt like, um, that, that, that it's a good resource for us to, to amplify voices that maybe don't have the same size platform, um, and do what we can in that sense. And, and I've seen a lot of other artists and musicians using their social, their social platforms for that. And, and I respect that because I think that, um, that it's like often, you know, see, seeing celebrities' social media platforms is like a better way to spread news than the news itself. Um, and so I, and so I think that that's been really crucial in in educating and helping to spread um, resources through like uh, basically our entire generation. Um, because I know that I personally get most of my news from Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook um, rather than, like, traditional media outlets. Um, and so I think that, that there's something to be said for that. I also, I really hope, and, and maybe by, by saying this on your, on your podcast out loud, I really hope that we can continue to use our platform um, for furthering racial justice um, because I think that there is kind of this, there have been moments like this in the past where a lot of us get super involved because it's like what's happening in the moment and it's, and, and you know, hashtags are trending. Um, and then a couple months later, maybe a year later, it sort of dies down in the, in the mainstream media and, and other things kind of take its place. And I, I don't want that to happen. And I want to, um, I want to commit to continuing this conversation. Well, I, wow. That's a tall order. I love hearing that. And it means so much <laughs> because honestly, um, you know, as, as a black person, when all this was breaking down, that was my immediate thought, um, when George Floyd died and Breonna Taylor died, my immediate thought was, I really hope people don't stop talking about this two weeks from now. And yeah. 
I've been left surprised. And you even brought up Selena Gomez. And I was helping a friend with an article um, a couple weeks ago, and I brought up how um, it blew my mind to see Selena Gomez utilize a platform like that, especially when, I mean, she's a massive star, obviously, but I remember I saw on um, Twitter, like, screenshots of her Instagram. And I remember my immediate thought was, oh, that has to be fake. Selena Gomez wouldn't do that. And I didn't know anything about Selena Gomez. Like, I've never thought about her. But then I went on her (laughs) Instagram and I spent, like, 30 minutes scrolling and reading posts and just being insanely impressed that someone would do that. And, yeah, it just speaks to the, if you have a voice, use it. And I love seeing that you two are doing that as well. Yeah, much smaller scale, but we're trying to do what we can. Yeah, well, it's also a good... I mean, I'll be a little bold. It's also a good barometer for the type of community and audience you want to cultivate because it's, there is always that, uh, I mean, I think about someone like LeBron James where even at the highest echelon, he's told like, you know, shut up and dribble and that's echoed and reverberated everywhere. So I think it's nice that you could utilize your platform and it's like, if anyone is bothered by it, it's like, well, that's just not someone you'd want as a fan (laughs) intrinsically, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, like, don't don't come to our shows. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have a bad time. (laughs) Uh, Hannah and JJ, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I really do miss you two. Miss you. What a crazy time to be alive. It's such a weird time. It's one of those things where I, I just remember when I thought about these talks I'd be doing with people, I was like, Oh, won't bring up COVID. Like by the time this comes out, COVID, people won't be thinking about COVID. And then oh, months God. go by, and it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, hopefully we'll get back to some <laughs> semblance of normalcy soon. Uh, yeah, thanks again, though. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Oh. Nice chatting. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.